Hello and welcome back to a Clear and Obvious podcast. As always, I'm your host, Archie Corbett, and I'm joined by the marvellous Sam Cole. Sam, how are you on this gorgeous Tuesday? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, um, fe- feeling good. Um, yeah, how, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate, but I'm even better now knowing we've got a full English. A full English is back. We, uh, we started off halfway through last season when this podcast started, and uh, we figured it was such a hit. You know, it rakes in millions and millions of views and it was, it was just so good. So uh, we're back with it again. Um, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through uh, the Premier League results. Then we'll be going through a little bit of the AFL action. Uh, then we'll be talking about the state of this, things that we're not a fan of, you know, an excuse to rant. And then we'll be doing our fantasy Premier League sort of ones to watch kind of thing. We have got a name for it. I'll tell it to you when we get there because it is quite something. Um, but let's, let's crack straight on because the Premier League's back. Uh, first week of Premier League football, Fulham are back in the Premier League, um, which is which is something. Uh, yeah, not you, much you, longer. <laughs> no, not much longer at all. If you defend like you did on the first weekend, um, but let's 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 just get straight into that because let's get straight into the first game. Um, you you hosted Arsenal, us. You hosted us. Uh, very kind of you, and uh, you let us you let's beat you three uh, nil. Arsenal three, Fulham nil. What what were your thoughts on the game? Watching it from a Fulham perspective. Um, yeah, I I thought we started quite positively, you know, we, we actually dominated you for like the first, um, first, first like 20 minutes of the game. I thought we looked, um, we looked good in possession. We didn't really create much, but like on the ball showed positive signs. Um, then Tim Ream happened. Um, <laughs> you get one chance, Tim Ream just messes it up. I thought Rodak. Um, did brilliantly to make the original save from I think it was Willian, and then Lacazette just poked home, and then from there Arsenal just uh, gained a lot of confidence. Um, yeah, and then Fulham just unfortunately just couldn't react. Gabriel and then scoring header from a corner, and then Aubameyang finishing uh, beautifully into the top corner after a, a brilliant team move. Yeah, well, um, our, our defence caused me a slight heart attack right, right at the start um, when Gabriel just sort of left it for Leno. And um, yeah, yeah, was it, who was it that came through? Was it Kamara? Kamara. Yeah, Kamara came through. And uh, he nearly got it around Leno. And I thought, if we go 1-0 down 15 seconds into this Premier League season, <laughs> I'm finished. Uh, but thankfully, yeah, Lacazette scored on the eighth minute. Uh, he sort of bumbled home. Um, I thought William was outstanding. Uh, he fit into that almost number 10 role really well. Uh, he sort of filled the void that's been left by Ozil for quite a while because we haven't really had a creative midfielder going forward uh, and suddenly he is that. Uh, he had a really good free kick as well that I thought was going in. Uh, Rodak didn't have it covered. Uh, but yeah, yeah, overall, it was... <laughs> no, he really didn't. Um, but it was... <laughs> overall, I mean, I'm just happy you're back in the Premier League because it's just an easy... It's an easy six points, really. Like, I don't... It's not being disrespectful, but you are. Like, our record shows that we just do beat you uh, a lot. Uh, but yeah, I do think you're going down, unfortunately. Um, you've, you've got Leeds coming up. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, we'll lose, but we might not. I don't know. Uh, Fulham are... Uh, I don't really know what to make of us. Midfield is amazing. We've got loads of depth. We've got brilliant players in midfield. We probably lack a creative midfielder because uh, Kearney's a bit like... I don't know. He, he's not... He's a bit slow, so I don't think he could really play at like a cam position. He's more like deep line playmaker. 
and he got a lot of unnecessary stick from the weekend, despite the fact I thought he was actually quite good. But um, yeah, um, midfield is great, but then we need a, desperately a centre-back and desperately another winger. Otherwise, we are in trouble. Yeah, well, let's let's move on from the uh, Fulham Arsenal game because it was a brilliant game. But uh, unfortunately, there were other games we've got to talk about because I would happily talk about that for the whole podcast. Um, let's move on to Palace. Uh, they they got their season off to a winning start under Hodgson. Uh, very very good start for them. One 0 win against Southampton at home. Uh, it will please Hodgson because they finished their last season without a win in seven, uh, which is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, and it was a Zaha goal. Uh, he he turned up, which was good. Uh, Andrew Townsend sort of set him on the counter attack. Actually, a very good ball from Townsend on his weaker foot. Chips is the back stick. Zaha came in and volleyed it. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they saw out the win pretty pretty expertly. There was a goal disallowed for them as well. There was a red card rescinded on Carl Walker-Peters. Uh, but yeah, overall, Palace getting off to a good start. Um, I don't know. I tipped them to come fairly, fairly low on the table. Maybe it's the first game of the season, so you can't take an awful lot from it. You've got to take everything with a pinch of salt. But um, overall, I thought, I thought they looked fairly solid. Uh, Gay Gator made a couple of outstanding saves, uh, and yeah, overall I think I think they look pretty good against the Southampton side, who a lot of people have got a lot of hope about this season. Who they didn't they didn't create an awful lot to be honest. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think that Southampton were poor. Um, Romeu next to Ward Prowse. Other Ward Prowse was alright, but Romeu had a shocker. He was the reason the goal was given away, and just didn't play well throughout the game. Um, yeah, they Southampton didn't look um, as good as I thought they would. To be honest, they barely created anything for their front two in Adams and Ings. They were f- like chasing off scraps. So yeah, the creative, the creativity wasn't there. Defensively, they weren't great either. But full credit to Palace. I thought um, they looked um, very well structured. Well, they will <laughs> in a Hodgson team. But um, Zaha looked. Um, he looks all right. He got he got his goal, of course. He should have had another. Um, and he, I thought he was mixed throughout the games. He had spells where he was just amazing. There, he also had spells where he um, he just wasn't as as good. Like he just run the ball off the pitch. But um, yeah, with Eze, Eze came on and made a difference. So with Eze coming into the team and Batshuayi coming into the team, added some very much needed goals up front. It could be a more positive season for Palace than uh, many predicted. Yeah, many, many, including us. Because um, bringing bringing in back Shawai and if Ezzy is actually as good as he said, I mean, like we said this in our Premier League predictions that if he does come in and do does very well, then they'll be all right. But if he doesn't, then they might struggle. But yeah, overall, good start for Palace, getting off to getting 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 their season off to a winning start. Uh, very impressive. Let's let's move on to the champions. Uh, Liverpool, uh, they beat Leeds United 4-3, which was a thrilling contest. Um, it was, yeah, it was a bit all over the place, this game. Uh, Salah was the, the star of the show, if I'm honest. Uh, start the season off in perfect fashion, a hat-trick. I mean, two were penalties, but uh, the one goal that he did score for open play was unbelievable. Leeds looked shaky defensively. I'm sorry to say it, but I do love Robin Cock, but he had an absolute stinker of a debut. Um, he really did. Uh, it's, it's a shame, really. Um but they, no, Bielsa's his team put forward. They they put forward quite a spirited effort. Um, I like their fight they showed. Patrick Bamford's clearly a twenty goal a season man in the Premier League. <laughs> and yeah, it's a shame that they had to bring on their record signing off the bench. Otherwise, they'd have probably drawn the game three all. Uh, but Rodrigo <laughs> Rodrigo gave away that penalty in the last minute. I did feel fairly sorry for him to be honest. Uh, you could just see he just didn't want to be there. Um, but yeah, it, it was a stupid challenge to be honest. But 
Yeah, Liverpool winning 4-3. Um, there was the most bizarre moment of the game, and I don't know if he knew this at the time, right? And it's a slightly obscure part of the game. It was when the ball went through and Trent just headed it into his own goal. And uh, he must have known that the guy running through there was offside. But if he didn't, right, it's a brilliant finish. Just obviously it's the wrong goal. But honestly, that moment for me, it was the one of those bizarre moments I've seen. Because you just, you know, you like he made an attempt to head it away. He just headed it straight to the bottom corner. No, no idea, mate. Um, yeah, Alisson was off, off form. Um, so was Van Dijk. He had a very poor game. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, Trent. But they, they ground out a win. Uh, and that's that's what the champions do. So yeah, four three went to Liverpool. Leeds looked pretty good. Uh, what did what did you make of it? Um, yeah, it, it was um, a, a game of two very poor defensive uh, defenses. In all honesty, um, I thought um, Salah looked um, looked very bright. You know, getting a getting a hat trick with his two penalties and what a rocket that was into the to the top left uh, top right corner. That was a ridiculous finish, but. Um, yeah, there are definitely positives to take out of the game for Leeds. Um, they looked uh, decent going forward. Um, they looked uh, good on the ball. There were periods of the game where they uh, dominated. But, of course, they were fortunate with the goal, with the first one being just bad defending and bad keeping. The second one being bad defending and bad keeping again. <laughs> and the third one being... Uh, moderately bad keeping. I think Allison had an absolutely sh- shocking game. I, it's quite harsh to blame the third one, Allison. He wasn't to blame, but I think he could have done better, personally. Oh, yeah, the, which, is, which is quite harsh. But um, yeah, Liverpool were, were poor. I thought um, Cater, though, were, was a bright spark in midfield. They're the other two midfielders, uh, Henderson and who was the other? Who was the other one who played? Uh, one out. They- yeah, would it have one out they started? Because yeah. Fabinho came on, didn't they? Yeah, so. one out and the other one. I thought they didn't really get into the game. Uh, Fabinho missed chances. Of course he did. But yeah, it was um, <laughs> yeah, a bit of shocker. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great game for the neutral, um, which uh, was uh, summed up by two terrible defences and um, lots of good goals. Yeah, no, completely. Uh, both teams getting off to a pretty, pretty goal-scoring start. Uh, let's let's move on to the final game of the Saturday, uh, which was West Ham Newcastle. West Ham falling two nil, two nil to Newcastle. Goals from Callum Wilson and Jeff Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick, right? We were joking about him being messy, but he started off the season with a goal and an assist. Um, and yeah, he he played brilliantly. Um, overall, Newcastle deserve this win. To be honest, um, they, they they West Ham weren't. This could sound bizarre. West Ham weren't terrible at the back. They weren't terrible there at all. Ogbonna had an okay game. Fredericks had a decent game. Oh, their whole back four had a decent game. Their issue lied in their creativity in the final third because they had more of the ball. They had more shots. They had, they had more going forwards, but they just couldn't unlock them. Uh, and that could be their downfall where we're all looking at their shocking defence. Actually, going forwards, they lacked a lot of creativity, I thought. And um, no, a 2 0 win was probably deserved for Newcastle, to be honest. Uh, they, they played very well. Hendrick, as I said, was brilliant. Wilson has provided something that Joe Linton couldn't, which was a bit of pace up top. Obviously, that's not the sort of player that Joe Linton is, but Wilson had that proper, you know, he had he had, he had the run on uh, Ogbonna pretty much all game, but he, he defended him fairly well, obviously, aside from the goal. Um, but yeah, no, overall, yeah, the main issue was their creativity in the final third, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it, it, could, it could prove costly if that's going to be the case, case going forwards for them. But yeah, Newcastle getting off to a winning start. Uh, interesting to see where they go from here. What, what were your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, I thought, um, yeah, as you said, West Ham did lack creativity, but they were also unlucky in the fact they hit the bar twice. You know, that is quite unfortunate. But yeah, they didn't really create huge chances. Um, Newcastle were decent. They looked very bright on the break. Um, they looked very good. Uh, and forward, as you said, Hendrick, goal and assist. He's actually a, he's actually decent. I know, he, I don't know. He he was he's decent. Every time I watch him live, he scores. Um, whenever I go to like a Burnley game, which I know to people who don't really know me, it's quite weird. But <laughs> sometimes I rock up to Burnley games. But yeah, he he's he's decent. He played very well. Uh, Wilson uh, getting that goal, um, like f- flinging his leg at the ball in the box. It's, um, I, I quite like to see um, Andy Carroll starting up front. I mean, I mean, what a man! He needs to get a goal, though. He really does. Exactly. He joined the club what last January, I think it was, and he still hasn't, still he hasn't, hasn't got a goal. Twenty-eight games without a goal, he's gone now. Yeah, but he's got plenty of assists. He's a creative player, he, and he's, he's, he scored a world in pre-season as well. So it's coming. It's coming. It definitely is. He's going to score another bicycle kick at the edge of the box, like he did for West Ham. It, it, it's it's going to happen, but no. Um, Lots of um, more positives for Newcastle than West Ham, though worrying definitely for um, West Ham in in terms of uh, creativity. Yeah, uh, let's let's move on to the games on the Sunday. Uh, newly promoted West Bromwich Albion hosted Leicester, uh, and they lost three uh, nil. Not a brilliant start to your, your Premier League campaign. I don't know. <laughs> newly promoted teams losing three uh, nil seems to be a bit of a theme here. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Leicester won 3 0, uh, two Jamie Vardy penalties, uh, and a Timothy Castagna goal. So they, they won that game. And um, first of all, can we just talk about our Leicester kit? Because it is absolutely rank. It's like maroon. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's that burgundy maroon. It's honestly disgusting. I, yeah, I'm really not a fan of it. Uh, but yeah, no, Castagna, Castagna headed home a goal with his debut, which was brilliant. Um, and then, uh, then Leicester were awarded two penalties. The first penalty came from um, uh, Vardy was pushed by Kyle Bartley. Uh, he's just not Premier League standard, is he, Kyle Bartley? <laughs> but let's let's move on. Uh, and then Justin was hacked down by O'Shea uh, for Vardy to make a double his tally, uh, which helped my helped my fantasy team. Uh, they secured what was actually a fairly fairly simple three 0 win at the end of the day. Uh, I thought Dennis Pratt played very well. Uh, I think this could be a bit of a breakout season for him after moving. Was it in January he moved, or was it in the summer last year? Summer. Summer, yeah. But I, I, think, I think he can kick on this year. Uh, but yeah, overall, Leicester getting a perfect start to the season. West Brom, not ideal. Uh, not ideal start for Savan Bilic's men. Uh, it's only going to get trickier for them. Um, but yeah, let's. Let, what, what, what were your thoughts on that game as a whole? Yeah, West Brom just dominated. West, no, West, Leicester just dominated West Brom. Yeah, West Brom definitely didn't dominate. Um, Barnes had the West Brom defence on strings. And to be Blatantly obvious. Not blatantly obvious. What what my what are the words I'm using? To be to be I don't completely know. honest. Completely honest. To be completely honest. Okay. You're welcome. I think uh, West Brom looked completely out of their depth um defensively and going forward I, I think Pro was a good player, but he didn't he wasn't on form and when you're bringing on Hal Robson Carney um in search of a goal, you know it's kinda getting Bleak for you. Um, that's the reason I predict West Brom lost. But um, yeah, Leicester. Leicester played well. Um, they deserved a goal. Like, I thought the goal wasn't coming. It took a while to get their goal, but when they did, their goal started flowing. So they deserved goals in the first half. Um, 
the Timothy Castagna goal. I thought he had a good game. Uh, that was worked on the Atalanta training ground. That was that is a a typical Atalanta goal for the um, for the wing back stood up cross and head in head about post. Um, but yeah, um, Pratt as you said played well. I was raving about him when they signed him last season to my dad, and um, yeah, hopefully he can show um, more than he showed last season because despite being good, he wasn't like brilliant, really shine that much. Yeah, Vardy's a penalty merchant. Um, I mean, he, <laughs> uh, he, he, but his penalties are amazing. Both of them bottom left corner. You can't really put them more in the corner. Um, but yeah, I think West Brom. You can't. I know you can't take too much from the first game, but it's worrying for West Brom more than Fulham, by the way, more than Fulham. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on uh, uh, to the uh, last game of that Sunday. Uh, Spurs hosted Everton, and they. They lost one nil, uh, and they looked absolutely diabolically terrible. Uh, they <laughs> were shocking, honest to Christ. No, in all seriousness, uh, Everton looked brilliant. Their midfield is unbelievable. We'll be going to talk about it a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Dominic Calvert Lewin header. Uh, their Spurs defence made Calvert Lewin look like a prime R nine. Um, Richarlison should have should have scored or at least cut it back to Dominic Calvert-Lewin fairly early doors. Uh, but 55th minute, they finally broke the deadlock. It was a Luca Dinier ball in and an, an emphatic header by uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin past Larice. He didn't really stand a chance with the goal. But Spurs again, they just didn't create much, um, and I do worry for them because they're not really bringing anyone that's like. The signings they've made, they've been like good squad signing. I mean, Doherty had a terrible game. He was getting torn to shreds the entire match. Um, and Hoiberg was decent. But, I mean, I don't know, I, I, those, those two signings are good signings, but they're not a signings that are going to propel them further up the table, if you know what I mean. I think they're good squad signings, but they're not something, you know, you're not going to get excited because, oh, look, Matt Doherty's playing. You know, I, I just, I'm not to be disrespectful to Matt Doherty, you know, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, he's an Arsenal fan, but um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not massively excited about Spurs and I'm not really that worried about Spurs, to be honest, as an Arsenal fan this year. This will come back and bite me, um, but I'm, I'm not, if I'm perfectly honest, because they, they weren't brilliant, but Everton, on the other hand, were great. Uh, and yeah, they, they went closest to scoring uh, the whole game, to be honest. It could have been two or three, to be honest with you. Hamas Rodriguez was unbelievable, as we're going to talk about a little bit later. But yeah, overall, 1 0 win to Everton should have been two or three Spurs big issues. Yeah, um, Spurs were terrible. I mean, there's, there's not a kind way to put it, really. Um, a lot of criticism, as you like, for Doherty and Hoybier for their debuts. But you've just got to remember, right, Doherty is playing right back for the first time in years, bear in mind being deployed as a, um, as a right wing back for majority, like, pretty, like for the last four years probably at Wolves. Um, so a lot of the time he was, um, the, uh, they would run and he'd expect like a right centre back to be there, but they, they weren't there because they're not playing three at the back. So I think Doherty needs to kind of adapt to the system. Um, similar with Hoybier, you've been used to playing in a midfield two, now being played as a deeper um, of a um, midfield um, three. But um, he, he, at least like, from a Spurs point of view, he looked like was the only player he'd wanted to put a tackle in. Um, literally, he, he was probably the most committed. Um, I saw Mourinho criticising their press. Um, yeah, their press wasn't <laughs> their press wasn't great to be fair. But um, yeah, they they do lack a bit of creativity, which they get through La Celso. The problem is they bought La Celso, who is injury prone. <laughs> so recruitment question marks there. 
and they might need to sign a backup. But take nothing away from Everton. Everton played well, very well. I think four that they were all brilliant. Like they're all great. But the four players I want to highlight were Mina. I thought was brilliant in the back. Pickford was great in goal, which is brilliant to see. Yeah. At, <laughs> like finally, um, James Rodriguez just looks a class above. And um, Allen was brilliant in midfield. Um, I thought those four players were a class above the rest. And um, also Digne, what what a delivery, flipping it. Um, but yeah, Everton were, were decent, looked very good. They'll get more goals when Richarlison starts sweating, open goals instead of, instead of shooting from a ridiculous tight angle. But um, no, Everton looked very good and Spurs have a lot to work on. Those Spurs fans are overreacting. Massively, yeah. They they really are overreacting. Uh, I'm sure they've got Southampton next time out. I'm sure they'll recover. Um, but let's let's move on to the Monday games. Uh, Sheffield United, they hosted Wolves uh, and they, they lost 2-0. Uh, well, Wolves, Wolves beat them 2-0. Uh, they, they scored both their goals in six minutes and saw out the rest of the game. Uh, after a poor start to their last campaign, which Wolves notoriously had this season, they, they started off fast. Uh, and, you know, plenty of positives for Nuno to build on. Uh, Vitini looked pretty good when he came on. I quite like the look of him. He, he looked pretty bright. Uh, Roman Sice had a very good game for them. Jimenez, despite having a whole host of chances, did actually score, thankfully, because uh, he needed to put away at least one of them. But his finishing overall was pretty decent. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I like the look of Podence as well. I think he had a pretty good game. Uh, and yeah, no, they just overwhelmed Sheffield United. Um, they didn't have an awful lot. Well, they had nothing going forward, Sheffield United. Um, so I think Wilder's going to have to dip back into the transfer market, if I'm totally honest. Um, uh, to look for someone else going forwards because I don't know it, it, they 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 didn't have an awful lot of pace going forwards or anything along those lines they just they struggled massively uh, and yeah Wolves saw out a, a sort of smash and grab in six minutes at the start of the game before Sheffield United actually switched on uh, and yeah no a comfortable two 0 win in the end for 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 uh, Nuno's side what what were your thoughts on this game yeah I I definitely agree with you I. Oh. They're both decent players, but I don't think a front two of Sharp and McBurney are really gonna we're gonna get many goals at this level. I thought Moussa last season uh, looked quite good, which was surprising about him, how bad he was at Bournemouth. But he was he was a good uh, good player for them last season. But I'm not sure. I assume he's injured, and that's why not playing. But yeah, I agree. They probably do need to dip into the transfer market. Uh, Wolves look great. Uh, Jimenez especially um, had a had a brilliant game at the top. He probably should have had like a hat trick or at least two, but um, his finish for the first goal uh, was was fantastic. Really good volley. Um, the fact uh, the him the front three for Wolves Jimenez, Podence, and Neto just shows the ridiculous depth they've now got up top. You were talking earlier about how you felt like they lacked quite a bit of depth, but their depth up top is mental. Um, um, and the player I mentioned just there, Podence. I'm, I'm very I earmarked as a player to watch this season. He he had a decent game. Um, Roman's size was a rock at the back. Never mind his his header which he scored, which was hilarious. Stevens getting shoved over by his Brilliant. own player O'Connell just to leave <laughs> the man unmarked. The head past um, Ramsdale, who probably should have saved it. Quite harsh, but could have done better, I reckon. Um, but yeah, um, Wolves were Wolves were uh, decent. Sheffield United uh, grew into the game. I think they got better as the game went on. But at the end of the day, they did lack that that finish. But um, no, a solid a solid result for Wolves and definitely a platform to build on. Certainly. Uh, let's let's move on to the last game of this opening Premier League weekend. Uh, Brighton hosted Chelsea. 
uh, and they, they lost 3-1. But the scoreline doesn't really reflect how the game went in, rea- in reality. Uh, Jorginho, he, he, he put Chelsea ahead with a penalty, won by Werner, who looked pretty bright all game, to be fair. Uh, and then, uh, But Brighton deservedly hit back. Uh, Trossard's incredible strike. He actually had a very good game. Um, he, 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 was, he was brilliant, I thought. Um, and then, uh, but uh, they, Reese James responded um, with a with a with a brilliant with a brilliant strike. Uh, man of the match, Reese James, very good. Uh, <laughs> about a minute and a half later, uh, and then Zuma killed off the contest with about sort of twenty five minutes remaining in the game. And um, I mean, they Chelsea won. Uh, Havertz was poor, uh, but he was being played massively out of position. Uh, he was picking up the ball in all sorts of ridiculous areas, which he just shouldn't have been. I um, started Ruben Loftus Cheek in a three. Uh, in a front three behind Verla, which is it just shows you the creativity they've got when they've got uh, Ziyech <laughs> injured now and they've lost out on William. But take nothing away from Brighton, to be honest, the scoreline didn't reflect well on them at all. Uh, Lamptey, as I'm sure we'll talk about a lot, was unbelievable. I mean, he was he was brilliant. Uh, Basuma, as you've been saying, was unbelievable. He dominated the midfield. Uh, I thought oh, I was a little bit disappointed in Lewis Dunk, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't think he had a brilliant game. Um, but yeah, overall, because uh, Verlin's rambling around, to be honest. But um, no, Bright- Brighton played fairly well. They probably deserve something for the game. But I mean, the quality that Chelsea had just saw them through to a 3-1 win. Uh, but on paper, it looks like Chelsea dominated them. But in reality, yeah, that could be much further from the truth. Yeah, you're, you're right. Brighton deserved so much more from that game. I mean, you're looking at Chelsea's goals. I mean, what was it? It was a... It was a penalty, which was just Alzate. He was decent, but sloppy um, to lose the ball. Then Ryan kind of had to give the foul away, or it's a goal anyway. Um, then it was a, a rocket from Reese James, which was the only good thing he did all game. And um, <laughs> and and a, um, and just a really jammy, um, deflected um, goal from Zuma. I mean... They they had a lower expected goals than Brighton, who who, who only got one goal. Um, but their goal was in the mud, mate. In the mud. Yeah, I know. It's it's the metric is wrong. Uh, wow. Miles off. <laughs> Miles. Um, but yeah, Trossard uh, banging that goal, which Kepa should have saved. They Mendy cannot come sooner enough for Chelsea. Oh my gosh! But um, yeah, to reflect what you said, uh, Lamptey and Basuma. Well, both uh, fantastic. Basuma in the first half, especially, just ran the midfield. He had Kante and Jorginho on strings, spraying the ball around everywhere. I mean, midfield, I don't think he's had as much of an influence on the midfield, but he um, was better defensively, winning tackles and still still playing well. Lamperty was just a monster going forward and in defence. He was just everywhere. He's like Kante at right wing back. Like it, it was ridiculous how good he was. Um, Dunk, uh, Dunk, I think was. I don't think he was that bad. I don't think he had his best game. Admittedly, did miss a sitter, and um, I, don't, I don't think he had like defensively his best game. But um, in the in defence, I know um, Ben White. Ben White had a good game, first game in the Premier League, and he actually played very well. So I think there were lots of positives to Brighton. I thought they were they deserved so much more. They just outplayed. Chelsea a lot of the game um, but at the end of the day it's a good trait to grind out a 3-1 win despite, despite playing terribly and Chelsea have a lot of new signings in but um, yeah positives to Brighton in the fact that they played well and positives to Chelsea in the fact that they got three points Yeah exactly and they, they move on to Liverpool next week Chelsea so that'll be interesting to see how they get on there they'll be shown up there uh, with Lampard's tactical naivety or they'll kick on so I guess we'll see uh, but yeah overall first weekend of the Premier League season could have got better for Arsenal 
top of the league, sitting pretty, having a great time. Um, let's 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 move on to uh, a new section we've got in the full English. We've shaken things up a little bit. Uh, it, this is EFL Watch, and what we're going to do, you know, Championship, League One, League Two. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. Uh, we're going to review one game each, and we're going to uh, preview a game each. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll kick us off. Uh, well, across those leagues. So I'll kick us off with reviewing a game. Uh, the game I was at, uh, Northampton to AC Wimbledon two. And uh, you're probably thinking, oh, you just you just you know like you, you like Northampton, you're picking them. But this game. It was thrilling for the first half an hour. There was four goals in the first half hour, and it was it was all over the place. Um, it was a relegation six-pointer, which is bizarre considering it's the first game of the season. But the only team with longer odds than uh, Northampton and Wimbledon to go down are Rochdale. So uh, this is a real a real relegation six-pointer. Uh, and Northampton managed to concede 25 seconds into their League One campaign, which was pretty impressive work, even even for the mighty Cobblers. Um, it was Ethan Chislett, new signing. Uh, had a very good game for Wimbledon, uh, kicked things off for them. Uh, but Northampton responded with a Matty Warburton free kick. Uh, it was a gorgeous free kick, to be honest. And they, they've worked on it uh, on the training ground because uh, the analyst for Northampton know, knew that uh, Wimbledon's wall never jumped. Um, so he was like, just stick it over their wall. And you know, there you go, a bit of insight. Uh, so yeah, it won, won all uh, 20 minutes in. I'm sat there thinking, blimey, this is a lot. I love League One. Uh, we conceded four minutes later. Uh, Nesta Guinness-Walker, uh, he was playing right wing back for them. Uh, again, we just opened up defensively. It was like the Red Sea. We just completely parted. Uh, Kian Bolger, Bolger at the back had probably his worst game in a cobbler's shirt. Luka Ratchich wasn't brilliant, and neither was Fraser Horse. For that back three, they just done a pretty shocking first half an hour. Um, but then, just under 10 minutes later, new signing Ricky Corbo came in and hit an absolute beauty of a finish. Um, and that was sort of it, really, for the rest of the game. Uh, but that first half an hour was very fun. Uh, one all opening game of the season, neither team can have too many complaints. Uh, I mean, you know, they'd both like to have won it, won it, but you know, losing that first game would have been pretty disastrous early doors. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they both go about trying to stay up. If I'm perfectly honest, I think they'll both go down. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, overall, Northampton get get a point against Wimbledon, and yeah, no, very very entertaining game. Uh, what what game would you like to review from the EFL this weekend? Yeah, so I'm I'm dropping down to League Two, and uh, I'm going to talk about Southend United against Harrogate Town. And from the offset, I know what you're thinking, sounds boring, who cares? But Harrogate Town, this was their first ever game in the EFL. They'd never been above the conference uh, Van Arnhem National, which they they weren't fate. They went up via the playoffs. They beat Notts County in the in the final, which they were not favourites to do by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but they beat Southend four 0 on the first on the first day of the season, which is mental. And um, Simon Weaver, in charge of Harrogate Town, now becomes the um, longest serving manager in the um, EFL with them um, being in charge for eleven years, and he's. He's transformed their side from a very, like a very lower down um, non-league side to now playing in League Two, which is which is mental. Um, Jack Muldoon uh, played very well, got two goals, uh, uh, bought for the first goal, brought the ball down, uh, poked home. Um, Lloyd Kelly doubled the lead uh, with a <clears throat> Lloyd Kerry, sorry, doubled the lead with a great effort from outside the box, which flew into the top corner. Um, Aaron Martin uh, then made it three, a chest down and a, and a volley pass keeper. For Jack Muldoon, uh, made it four, which was just the most confusing defensive um, thing ever, um, to be quite honest. So, 
um, the centre-back got the ball in the box and um, he thought that the strikers couldn't come into the box, which I thought as well. Um, and then the Harrogate player tackled him, passed it to Muldoon, who just curled it in. Everyone's really confused. I'm, I'm not 100% sure if it should have been allowed. I'm very confused about it myself. <laughs> but um, it doesn't matter because Harrogate Town uh, win the match 4-0 on their first ever game. And the EFL for them, but in terms of in terms of South End, they are they are in crisis, often on the pitch. I think they'll they'll come bottom of League Two by some way. Um, they've got new manager uh, Mark Molesley, um, who came in from Weymouth. I mean, it's quite an interesting appointment. Not really, um, <laughs> not got any experience in the EFL. Um, all their experienced players left after last season. It's quite a young team, and the experienced players they have left are pretty bad, to be honest. So I think Southend are are in trouble. Um, just the board, the the players, just everything. Um, so which is so see them lose four 0 to a um, a newly promoted side um, is 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 definitely a huge worry for them. And uh, but take nothing away from Harrogate, they were brilliant. But yeah, that is the that's the game I want to highlight. What's a what's a game for Harrogate? What a day for the town. Yeah, and I was just, I was thinking because I saw a few of the goals from that game, and it honestly looked like there might be some match fixing involved. Because South, I mean, it was one of the goals where they just keep her out of the way. I just yeah, it looked it was diabolical. Um, I've never used the word diabolical price now. I've used it twice in this podcast. I'm very aware. Uh, anyway, enough of diabolicalness. Uh, let's move on quickly to what games we both want to preview. Uh, I want to just quickly go through mine. Uh, I want to preview Coventry City against QPR. 7.45 on Friday. You can watch it on Sky Sports. Uh, Coventry, newly promoted. They look fairly promising. They went up League One easy. Not even, not even a doubt. I mean, they were top of the league. They were beating teams left, right and centre. They were brilliant. Uh, and they looked to kickstart the campaign with a win uh, against QPR. We lost 2-1 to Bristol City on the opening day. Uh, but looked very good. So, yeah, that is the game that I want to preview. I want to see Coventry City on Sky beating QPR. Uh, and you can watch it on Friday night at 7.45. What about you? Uh, yeah, I want to preview Oxford United versus Sunderland in um, in League One. Uh, both of these teams are, have been tipped very highly by the bookies for promotion. Sunderland's are number one, uh, like are the favourites for promotion, which I don't really agree with. I think that's just because of the size of their club that that's been given to them. But Oxford are fifth favourites for promotion. So two two teams that are that are uh, that are um, tipped for at least playoffs. Um, but yeah, um, neither side have had really brilliant starts to the season. Oxford lost 2-0 to Lincoln on the opening day, which isn't really a result of a, of a promotion rival. But and, um, Sunderland drew one all to Bristol Rovers. Um, so both sides are looking to kick on and um, get their promotion campaign started, really. Um, it's at Oxford United. Last time they played it was a, a one-all draw. Um, I could see uh, possibly a few goals in this one. Um, uh, start of the season, I don't think. Um, either side are fully fit. I don't think many sides are really are because of the lack of pre-season. But uh, I think it'll be an interesting game um, between two um, two good teams. Cole Robinson in charge of Oxford United. A much younger team um, than he had last season, which he took to the playoffs. Uh, so I'll be interested, ha- interested to see how quickly they... Um, mature and uh, improve and Sunderland with uh, quite the opposite a lot of experience um, in that Sunderland team um, under Phil Parkinson who's got a lot of experience in the league Yeah uh, again two games to look out for so so keep an eye out 
Um, let's let's move on to a, a bit of a staple of our full English, uh, like like a hash brown, really. It's the state of this. Um, we're both going to run through two things individually that we're either not a fan of or we think it's a bit out of the ordinary because we realise that we sort of shield ourselves because it's just, you know, things that we hate because we do want to talk about some positive stuff as well. So it's, you know, things that are pretty, pretty topical, some talking points. Um, I'm going to kick it off with a man who's been talked about fairly, fairly regularly since he's arrived in the Premier League uh, and for good reason because he, he's, he's kept a reason Balaga. And he's probably one of the worst goalkeepers we've ever seen play football. Um, he is utterly <laughs> abysmal. Uh, I don't think it's helped by the fact that he's got low confidence. But again, against Brighton, they won. But he's still getting talked about because of the goal he should have saved. It was, any, any competent goalkeeper saves that. I mean, admittedly, it did bounce under him. But again, any keeper saves that. Um, just a couple of stats for you. He's conceded more Premier League goals from outside the area, uh, 19 uh, since he's joined, uh, since he's moved to the league. Have any, any goalkeeper, 19 from outside the box, that is shocking. Um, and then also, excluding block shots, right? Kepa Ariza Balaga has conceded, wait for this, from nine of his last 13 shots on target that he's faced in the Premier League. <laughs> nine of the last 13 shots that have got past the defence and got to big old Kepa in goal have gone in. He's saved four shots on target. Four of his last 30. That's shocking. I just, he is, thankfully, they're bringing a goalkeeper in. And, I, you know, I, uh, I don't mind him being given a chance maybe as a cup keeper if they want to get out of every single cup competition there is. Um, but, honestly, uh, they're so thankful they're bringing this Mendy guy in because as long as he's a semi-competent keeper, he doesn't even need to be good. He just needs to be able to catch a ball and save a shot that's going on target. And he's instantly better than Kepa. Uh, and he needs to be able to come for crosses as well. Kepa just is incompetent in coming for crosses and he's incompetent at everything. And... Um, I hope, right, and this is, I've been pretty, pretty, you know, harsh on him at the minute, and probably rightfully so, but I hope it's an extreme version of what De Gea was like when he first came to the league. Because when De Gea first came to the league, we were all just like, who's, who's this clown? Uh, he's, he's shocking. Um, but he showed signs of brilliance, but Kepa hasn't, which is quite worrying. Um, but hopefully, you know, from his point of view, he can either kick on at Chelsea and forge some sort of career, uh, or he can go back to Spain and forge a career there, or anywhere really that will take him. Um, I'm pretty sure Tubridge Wells might be looking for a keeper. So, I mean, you know, he might, he probably won't get in actually because we just want a penalty shootout. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'm waffling. Uh, Kepa's not very good, is what I'm trying to say. And it's not news, but that Brighton game has just highlighted that he's somehow still not got any better. Um, yeah, that's that's why that's why I'm kicking things off for the state of this. Yeah, he is a. He is a... Oh, he he is terrible. They genuinely, um, men, uh, I think it's Mendy, isn't it? They're bringing him from Rennes. Um, he uh, he looks like a decent upgrade. I think his save percentage looks decent. Looks like a decent shot stopper, but he looks um, especially good coming for crosses, which they definitely need. But yeah, Kepa it has been terrible, and the fact that Cavalero is better than him really shows how bad he is. They need to get rid of him before he gets any worse. They need to just sell him for any money. They are it doesn't matter. They are making a huge loss on him. Like they can't I'd pay someone that. else to take him away. It, it, it is genuinely that bad. They they're gonna make a loss they just have to admit that. But like, even if they loan him out for a year, I don't think it's gonna be much better. And who's gonna want him on loan? Oh he is just terrible and the sooner he gets out of Chelsea the better for that club. So I hope he stays. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, okay, yeah, that completely agreed. Uh, do you want to move on to your, your state of this? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the £100 million stigma. So basically... Sam, what is the £100 million stigma? Well, let, I'll, I'll tell you. So whenever a, a team gets promoted, this, is, this season will be the, probably the third time this has happened, um, and the club in the transfer market spends £100 million all around that fee, the media are suddenly, they're getting relegated, they're doing a Fulham, like genuinely, even if they've bought, even if they'd have bought in Messi, Ronaldo, and like the best team in the world, they'll be like, oh, but they've spent over a hundred million, which means automatically they're going to get relegated and going to do a Fulham. It's just, oh, it really infuriates me because when Fulham did this, right, admitted we we bought the wrong players. We bought loads of European unproven players, which was huge risks. It went wrong. So when Villa. Villa um, came up and did the same thing. They did, like the media got on theirs about saying they're doing a Fulham, they're doing a Fulham, but they they still stayed up. Admittedly, a lot of their signings didn't really come true. But to be fair, I think this season we could see a lot of those signings, um, a lot of those signings improving, um, which is actually quite similar to Fulham in a way because I think Anguissa this season could have a a good season despite um, being injured for a lot of their season. I think Brian looks a lot better. Um, so it's just a few years too late, but this and then this season it's Leeds. So they so far they've spent sixty-one million on uh, Helder Costa, Rodrigo, Robin Cock, Elan uh, Meslier, and um, they got Harrison on loan. So they've spent about sixty-one million so far, which isn't a hundred. But then you look at their potential signings. They look at Conor Gallagher on loan, Draxler. I don't know how much that would be. Uh, Josco Garvidal apparently is nearly done. That's twenty million. And Rodrigo de Paul, yeah. that's thirty-one million. So that's going to take over a hundred million. And I look at these signings. I think Helder Costa, right? He was in their team last season. Uh, he he knows the team. He's he's decent signing. Meslier as well was in their team last season. Very promising goalkeeper. Rodrigo is a basically Bamford but an upgraded version that's Spanish. Um, Robin Cook adds a lot of uh, admittedly right he was terrible against Liverpool but he's a he is a good defender like trust me I know he was playing against Liverpool but he's a he's a great defender so he he looks like an upgrade upgrade they look at the signs they're bringing in um, uh, Rodrigo de Paul looks like a long-term upgrade on um, Hernandez who's now um, de- declining and G- Gavardiol um, is a is another centre back option. So they're investing in players that are going to improve their team. Drexler as well, another creative option. Conor Gallagher would be a, a decent backup for um, Calvin Phillips. They're they're bringing in players that they actually need and that um, that are, are sensible signings. But the media have gone, oh, they spent a hundred million. They're going to do a Fulham. They're going to do a Fulham. And I'm not going to lie to you, Archie. I've, I've had enough of it. All right. It's just it, it it grinds it grinds my gears. I say. Can I, can I say something in defence? Sure. So the three examples you picked out there: Fulham, Villa, and Leeds. Leeds won the league, but you and Villa went up via the playoffs. Leeds were this sorry. Villa were this far away from going down. So their spending of a hundred million in their first season, which is what we're talking about here, I would argue, didn't come off. When you spent a hundred million in your first season, it didn't come off. I don't. I. I personally. I mean, I might have been reading the same things as you, but I haven't seen many people saying they're doing a Fulham. Right. It, but... it's, it's a different scenario. 
isn't it? Because if a team's coming out via the playoffs, they've had less time to prepare their team potentially for a Premier League season. Whereas when a team coming up in first or second, they're A, obviously better than the teams behind them, but B, they're going to have a more Premier League ready squad as a whole. So I think it's different to the Fulham and Villa examples who did spend £100 million and potentially in the wrong places for that first season. But in Leeds' example, I agree with what you're saying in terms of their bringing in the right players for the right amount of money. And yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's fair enough that spending £100 million. I don't think, I think there's a stigma around it when teams, it looks like they're just throwing money at players. Um, and I wouldn't say Leeds are doing that. Their signings have been more considered than the, the Villa and the Fulham instance, um, for this first season at least. So yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say this stigma is necessary. I mean, I might be wrong, but I haven't seen an awful lot of people saying this stigma is around Leeds in terms of spending £100 million, but I, I might be off on that. I've seen I've seen a few, uh, quite a few people on Twitter saying that um, a few people on Talksport talking about uh, but it's Talksport in it yeah. uh, talking <laughs> about criticizing um, their transfer business but um, yeah it, it it just frustrates me and another thing is that um, when it happened to Fulham right um, it, this these were bought by directors of football not in, in like the manager didn't get a say over these signings um, so um, and Jakanovic I reckon if given like give him time because they've brought in loads of new players that need to give him time. Dean Smith um, brought in the, these players and I thought the players were decent signings but I don't think he was the right manager in charge because I'm not a huge Dean Smith fan. I think he's a decent championship. I don't think he's yet proven himself in the Premier League but they're, they're under flipping Marcelo Bielsa. He is an incredible manager. He is like one of the most like so many managers have been inspired by him and talk about him as like the pinnacle of managers, some call him one of the greats. He might not have the silverware to back that up, but he 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 certainly is a brilliant manager. So it it just it just yeah, it's just one of the things that frustrates me that I've seen a few people saying, "Oh, um, a newly promoted club spends a hundred million, they're doing a Fulham, or they're doing that, they're going to get relegated because yeah. they spent a hundred million." And I just think that's wrong. Yeah, I was going to say calling it the media as an umbrella term is a bit harsh when it's just Adrian Durham and a few people on Twitter. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, just quickly, my next, my next one on the state of this, if we're right to move on from that, is um, Everton's midfield. It's a bit of a segue. Uh, completely, there's no segue from your £100 million stigma to this. Uh, but it's disgustingly good, if I'm perfectly honest. Everton shouldn't have a midfield this good, right? Hamas Rodriguez, I'll talk about in a little bit, but Alan and Dekure were both brilliant against Spurs. Takure was excellent, it must be said. Um, and alongside Rodriguez, they're very capable of a top six finish with that midfield. If Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison can score, if a defence can shore it up somewhat, which they did against Spurs, to be fair. Yerry Mina was brilliant. Pickford, as you say, was great. They've got a very decent shout of breaking into that top six with Ancelotti at the helm. And Hamas Rodriguez, he was just unbelievable. I mean... Watching that man play, it's it's beautiful. It's poetry in motion. He just picks passes out of his back pocket from like 50 yards and just he sprays them every. He's honestly, he's unbelievable. Um, he's an interesting stat as well. Uh, I'm not massive on stats, but it's quite an interesting one. He's become the first Premier League debutant to create at least five chances since Alexis Sanchez for Arsenal in August of 2014. So there is a stat for you. Um, that of course you do. Love a good stat, mate. I love that stat because Sanchez was a god for us for that one season. Uh, but no, they, he, no, the Everton, if they can keep his midfield going, they're getting top six. Uh, that's my second 
the state of Everton's midfield, it's just unreal. And Andre Gomez is actually quite good as well. It's unfair on him, really, because he's actually a very good player as well, I think. So, yeah, Gilfie Sigurdsson, goodbye to playing football for Everton, because <laughs> you're not getting him out to say, not, not a hope in hell, mate. Uh, what's, your, what's your last one on the state of this? Yeah, I just want to. I just want to add to that quickly. Yeah, sure. I, I, I was quite. I was quite disappointed when I, I saw their lineup. I thought I got quite sorry because I thought, oh, they're going to play a four-one-two-one-two narrow. Uh, quite disappointed to see them play a four-three-three. <laughs> I thought Hammers are going to play as a ten, but even out wide on the right wing, he he was fantastic. And I hope throughout the season they might change to a four-one-two-one-two narrow because they've they've definitely got the ingredients for it. And I I just think that'll be. Sick with Denier and Coleman marauding down the wing, uh, but yeah, that's that's what I'll add to that. Um, my um, final state of this is a, is another is another pray a praising uh, a praising one. It's um, England's right back depth. Um, this is this is this has come after last night a Reese James thunderbolt and a, a Tariq Lamperty absolute masterclass. Um, you're you're right there. Just... No, 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 carry on, carry on, mate. It's just uh, nothing, nothing. It's just uh, Arsenal changed their bio, their Twitter bio, to turn your notifications on with the leg timer. Sorry, carry on. Oh my goodness, Aubameyang <laughs> strings. It's, it's happening. Uh, anyway, sorry, carry on. I'm really sorry. That's England's right back depth. I mean, yeah, after last night's performances from the two right backs, uh, Lamptey especially, <laughs> it's just mad to look at. England's England's uh, right backs and how how good they are and why can't it be shared with the left backs as well so a bit more well balanced <laughs> so so at right back we've got Kyle Walker Kieran Trippier Trent Alexander Arnold Aaron Wambasaka Rhys James Tariq Lamptey James Justin who I don't think is talked about enough um, Ainsley Maitland Niles who has been very decent when he's played there especially in the Community Shield. Uh, and in, and against Fulham, too fair. And uh, Cole Peters could be good, maybe if he improves a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just ridiculous how good. It, I wish we could field a team of right backs. We might, we might, we might do well. I mean, it is it's mental, and it's it's especially promising for England going forward, knowing that that position is fine. We have we have loads of depth there, and. But it's going to give Southgate a headache of choosing this squad. He might do what he did for the last squad and just not call up a left back and call up four right backs and just play him at left back. But no, our, our right back depth is just mental. It is. It is disgustingly good. I do. Uh, I was saying to you before the podcast, I do slightly feel like we did a Scotland with our best players being full-backs, their best players being left-backs of Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney. But no, our right-back depth is unbelievable. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing who, who's able to break into that team. I'm sure it'll be Trent starting there. But there's a lot of competition if he does go off the boil or start centre mid or decides he wants to be a striker because he's that good, he probably could. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, to our final section of the podcast, if you've made it this far, well done. Um, it is a new section that we've brought in. It is Fantasy Premier League Essentials or FPL Essentials. And we're just going to go through one player each who you need to have in your team. And you might want a triple captain because they might be unbelievable. Um, my player that I, I'm saying to everyone you've got to have in there, if you haven't got him there in there anyway, it's you're just wrong, right? Because he's a midfielder by, by, by trade. If you've got him in your team, you know who it is. It's a Bamiyang, right? <laughs> 
uh, scored opening day against Fulham, but that's not hard. Um, and we've we, uh, Arsenal have got West Ham at home, who have got a similarly leaky defence. Admittedly, their defence wasn't bad first day of the season, but I think Aubameyang will open them up. Um, just a couple of stats just to throw at you. Uh, West Ham have lost more games to Arsenal in the Premier League than any of their other opponents in the league 31 times. We've got that club on strings. And um, I think... I think even if we do end up for some reason not winning this game, Aubameyang's getting a goal. As I just had a bit of a fit over there, he's signing a new contract. It's not official yet, but it's about to happen. Um, so Aubameyang, probably when this is out, has signed a new contract. So we'll have that motivation behind him against probably Ryan Fredericks, right? I think he's going to be fine. And I think he's going to get at least one or two goals against a shaky Hammers defence. Uh, yeah, it's it'll bring the best out of our captain, and I, I reckon I reckon that's the man he needs to have in the But I might be triple captaining him this week. I won't lie. What about you? Who who you got? Uh, I've got um, a, a cheaper alternative. So you you have um, I think it's fourteen million of Bamiang. I think um, I think it might be twelve. I think that's not that's not be harsh. I think he might be twelve yeah. million, but I'll double check. Uh, so very very expensive. I, I'm going for a striker option, who I think will, will bag you a few goals. There there are two that I. I'm going to talk about, but I, I, the one, then I'll tell you which one I think you should have. So there's a, I've gone for the two Everton forwards. I've gone for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who comes at 7 million, and Richarlison, who comes at 8. So they're quite, they're quite good value for money. And then both of them were started the season very well against Tottenham. Uh, Calvert-Lewin scored a ridiculous header. I mean, that was a, that was a peach. Um, but they, they both played well. Richarlison... Um, lacked end products, but he created much, and the end product he showed he he has in his locker from last season. So I think that will that will come. And I think it will come in the next game. The next game is uh, their uh, Everton are home to West Brom, and uh, West Brom are coming in after losing three 0 to Leicester. Their defence looking dodgy, uh, with especially Kyle Bartley, who is championship. Just you say Kyle Bartley, the first thing you think is championship. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think West Brom have the, have the best defence. Of course, Billich, a decent manager, might uh, organise them well. But yeah, I, I think that Everton could tear them shreds. And um, yeah, R- Richarlison, um, as I said, I don't think was um, brilliant against Tottenham. So I, I think the person you should pick to be in your team is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, £7 million. He's, he's, he's quite cheap. It's not that, it's not that expensive. Um, and he... He's he's a great option. He he looks like he's matured into a brilliant player. I, I, he was a player that I didn't think um, early early on that he he'd be a one, I thought he'd be a one two goal season striker, uh, but he's really matured into a, a goal scorer. He got a lot of goals last season, and I think he'll repeat that this season. And against a um, a, a, a dodgy West Brom defence uh, with chances created to him by Richarlison, James Rodriguez. Um, and just their midfield like Decore and Andre Gomez. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of chances. I, I think he could bag a lot of goals. So I, I think uh, Calvert-Lewin is the man you should have in your team uh, for £7 million. Well, mate, I'm in the process of doing it right now. So Calvert-Lewin's going in there because you've actually convinced me. So, uh, yeah, no, Calvert-Lewin in for Danny Ings. And uh, that, is, that is the first full English. It is back. Um when we're back to obviously we're both we're both moving a little bit of personal stuff. We're both moving up to uni uh, over the next over the next weekend, uh, so the setup will be different. Hopefully, you know, it might even be in the same room. 
Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, we'll try and bring some people in to do some podcasts. We should be having an interview coming up very soon. Uh, scheduled to be doing it tomorrow. Uh, it's a pretty big name, so we're quite happy with it. Um, but yeah, no, so keep, keep an eye out on our channels for that. Uh, but yeah, back with a full English, better than ever. Uh, and let's 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 keep this let's keep this run run going of some some quality podcasts. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening or watching or whatever you are. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, uh, we're on this other audio platform that I accidentally found us on the other day. Uh, but if you listen to that and you've listened on there, then thank you. Um, but yes, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you, guys. Bye.